co-host Dixie Cochran here with none of my usual co-hosts, but that's because we have two, count them, two very exciting guests today. Uh, joining us are the developers of Titans Rising, which is currently on Kickstarter, the most recent book for Scion. So joining me today, I have David Castro. Hello, hello. And Kat Evans. Hello. I am so excited to have you both here. I love doing interviews, and it's so fun to have newer folks on the podcast because you are both new, we confirmed before the recording, right? Right. And, you know, it's nice to be the token Brit on a different podcast. Right? I mean, it, it, it's nice to still have a token Brit since Matthew's not on this episode. Yeah, it's like a mascot. You have to have one. Although I guess Eddie counts as a token Brit, but without the accent. True. It's only one. Only one. <laughs> okay, next week's episode is just me, Matthew, and Eddie fighting for status of token Brit. <laughs> and of course, David's superpower is uh, showing up whenever anybody mentions New York. Yes, that is my specific uh, skill set. <laughs> so before we get into the project, uh, let's start with Kat, if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, like kind of what brought you into the industry, what you've been doing, what you've worked on. I know that our listeners like to know a little more about our guests than just a name talking about a project. Oh no, the most terrifying thing in the world where you summarize your life in 30 seconds. I mean, um, you can talk for three minutes if you want, I don't care. Oh god, no, there is not enough interesting stuff to say for three <laughs> minutes. <laughs> 30 <laughs> seconds is more than enough. We're going to get some dead air here. Um, so I'm Kat Evans. I use he, they pronouns, and I'm a British, specifically Welsh. It's very different. I have strong opinions about this uh, writer and RPG designer. I've been working in the industry for about five years now, and I'm one of the people who came creeping in with the Uncaged Anthology, which was a big book of feminist retellings of, or feminist reimaginings of Dungeons and Dragons monsters. And oh, yeah. yeah, and we arrived, we were here, queer and extremely loud, and we made people very angry. And that was so much fun that I just kept doing it. Isn't pissing off bigots fun? Oh, it's like my the favorite thing to best. do. Best. <laughs> <laughs> so, what have you done for us before uh, to Titans Rising? Because I know you've written on some things at least. Yeah, I'm like slowly getting my claws into most of Onyx Path's lines. Um, I've worked on the classic World of Darkness quite extensively. You might have spotted my name in Howls of Apocalypse most recently. Oh, Lore of the Traditions came out most recently. Um, but now we've kind of run out of Werewolf and Mage. I'm um, digging my way into They Came From. Uh, you'll find some of my stuff in The World Below when it comes out. And of course, I'm uh, now digging into Scion, which is super fun. Like, I love Scion. And when I got given the opportunity to work on this book, I think my reply might have just been, yes! And like 12 exclamation <laughs> points. That's how I feel every time I get asked to write on any they came from or any Pugmire. I'm just like, yes, give me <laughs> yes. his project. Yes. Almost. almost. You don't have hands. to pay me, but no, you do. Please pay but, me. <laughs> but actually, you do. Yeah, please, please pay me. <laughs> All right, David, what about you? What is your background in uh, the RPG industry and Onyx Path specifically? So I got started about five, six years ago as well. Uh, my first project generally was for uh, the last show, third edition book, Undead. Mm -hmm. 
And then I got my foot in the door for Onyx Path with Dragon. Not the first book of mine to come out, but the first book I uh, worked on because this industry is amazing like that. <laughs> I believe the way I got in was I was on a different book and somebody asked if somebody could uh, pitch hit real quick and I was the first person to say yes. And then the rest is history. I'm, I've been on more Scion books than I can count and sort of creeping out into other things. I did a Pugmire. I did a Scarred Lands. I did several Trinities. Mm -hmm. I'm on uh, At the Gates. Uh, what was the last thing of mine to come out? I believe was Adventure. Yeah, Adventure uh, was the last thing of mine to come out. So it's been a hot minute, but I have forgotten everything else about my life. So I'm going to stop talking now. Hey, hey, <laughs> David, what's the cool thing that you won last month? Oh, right. Yeah, that thing. Uh, I won a, uh, a uh, gold any last month for uh, my work on the free RPG Day uh, supplement for uh, Root. So that also happened that I keep, you know, forgetting about. Yeah, any, any award-winning David Gasher here on the podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm still coming to terms with that myself i've also seen you creeping into exalted recently i'm actually finishing up my edits of tomb of memory today which is of course a development project that you did for exalted essence and i think you also worked on pillars of creation um i wrote some spells for pillars of creation uh some spells and some martial arts for that and yeah i developed the uh jump start for that and the jumpstart for uh scion demigod not jumpstart for demigod that is uh some adventures that were unlocked through the kickstarter i believe yeah it's it's pretty awesome this this is kind of a, a cycle that we see a lot with our writers and and writers turned devs is that you go from being kind of the like stretch goal writer because that's a good place to start people because stretch goals tend to be a little smaller um, so you can, you know, give somebody like a five, 10,000 word chunk, but now you're both developers on this current Kickstarter. And that's, that's kind of a big change sometimes I know going from writing to developing. How have you, uh, both felt about that? So I love developing. This is my first Onyx Path developing gig, but I also used to work for Cubicle 7 who make the Warhammer TTRPGs as their oh, producer okay. and developer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do some bits and pieces for Renegade as a developer as well. But developing for Onyx Path is just super cool because it's always my favorite game lines. People are going to listen to this and be like, oh, look at him. Fucking suck up. But no, like Onyx Path genuinely is like some of my favorite gaming material in the world. And getting to Aww. have a say, not just in the content, but like overall the structure of a book and the message of a book is kind of a little bit intimidating. It's like, oh no, mm -hmm. I could wreck this game line that I love. Um, fortunately, I'm in really good company with David and with Hiromi as well as our like overlord. <laughs> yeah, so while not my first like big book development, it's the first one I've seen through and not like just started and then uh, gave off to someone else. Nerve-wracking, a lot more work than I assumed it was going to be, but also fun i mean i i like the like logistic side the like outlining side the people management side i 
I actually enjoy all of that stuff. So, like, this is sort of where I've always wanted to be. So just, like, getting here is kind of the, like, fulfillment of the uh, career path I've been trying to do. Uh, not for some people, this sort of thing is just, like, a side gig that they enjoy doing. But, like, this, for me at least, was always the end goal. Well, not end, but, like, the the point I wanted to get to. So now that I'm here, I just want to do this more. I'm super excited. That's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I I personally, I love the outline part. I love pitching. I love redlining. What I don't like is the uh, people management email portion because I'm very bad at that. That's like the thing that my ADHD bounces hardest off of. So like, I'm always like, I'll co-develop if I develop any books. Also, I am not nearly as strong with mechanics as I am with uh, the rest of the pros. So having someone else to help me with mechanics is always really nice, whether it's like a Monica or a D or whatever, because that's just not my bag. Big same. Big same. Uh, I, I don't do them. I can do the math part, but oh, God, is it so much better if I don't? Yeah, but like at least having someone else to check it over is really helpful for me because I'm always like, I can put numbers down on the page, but they might be wrong. <laughs> I think even with mechanics, though, it's, whether the numbers are right mathematically doesn't mean they're appropriate. And I think like the really nice thing about this book has been that there are three of us developing it, right? So at any point, we've been able to mm -hmm. like dive into the chat going, I'm doing this thing, is that okay? Someone will go, what? No. Or, oh, hell yes. And just having that validation of your ideas and not feeling like you are like the sole chance to get this right is super helpful and just makes for a better book, I think. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm currently working on uh, the, the cat book to go with Realms of Pugmire. And like one of the things on there is I'm working on character creation, which involves some math. But most of the math was already done in Realms of Pugmire, so I just get to point at it and go, look at that math. But if there is math I do incorrectly, generally Eddie is very helpful at being like, you know, knowing everything about the Pugmire system. Oh, hey, we could talk about that. Yeah, I'm on that too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been, it's, it's, been, it's been announced on the blog, and if it's been announced on the blog, we can talk about it if we want to. Uh, but yeah, uh, even there, I'm doing so much math. I'm I'm making the monsters, uh, sorry, the enemies in this setting, and the masterworks, mm -hmm. and there is lots of math, and uh, th that's how I'm going to be spending the next couple of weeks doing that when I'm not answering your questions on the Kickstarter. Right. I uh, I wrote some of the masterworks in Pirates of Pugmire, and it was definitely one of those things where I, I just put some numbers down, and I kind of gave it to Eddie, and I was like. This is what I got based entirely on vibes. Uh, can you tell me if this is correct or not? That is very much what I did with the um, Tome of Enemies. That's not what it's called. Sorry, Eddie, I've forgotten the book's official name. <laughs> threats and Curves? Yes, thank you, with Threats and Curves, which I just finished working on. It's like, these numbers feel good. I hope you like them. <laughs> That's, don't, don't, don't tell my devs this. Uh, Eddie and Matthew, cover your ears. Because uh, you've uh, developed me the most. I, yeah, all the numbers I put down are just vibes. I'm like, this This seems correct. I'm going to put these numbers down. Tell me if they're ridiculous. That said, let's talk a little bit about Titans Rising. Um, I know we did the interview with Hiromi already, so you got to hear some like overdev stuff about it. But let's talk a little bit about 
I think some people might want to know, like, why Titans Rising when we have Titanomachy. So if one of y'all or both of y'all could summarize a bit of the difference and what Titans Rising brings that Titanomachy might not would be helpful. So so the first thing is Titanomachy didn't get a, a, a Kickstarter run the first time around. So I've seen a bunch of questions about that. So that's why it's all, like, lumped in. But... What Titan Risings does, most importantly, at least in my point of view, is that it sort of completes the circle of uh, the Scion core books that we have out thus far. Uh, it gives you the Titans of the Pantheons from Demigod, God, Once and Future, and a little bit of stuff for Mass, though perhaps expanding on that can be a stretch goal. It sort of gives you what the Tanamaki gave you for origin and hero. Titans Rising will give you for demigod and god tiers of play, and also give you all that lore for the Titans of the pantheons of those books as well. So, like, just that alone, at least in my opinion, is more than enough, but it also gives you a look at what the second Tanamaki might look like the sorts of ways to get to that storyline and options for play where you can be a titanic scion but maybe not just a like asshole i think that's also something that a lot of people might not have gotten the first time around or just to like seal that home of like your powers can come from a antagonist without necessarily you having to be or or mm -hmm. just telling the story from their point of view because in scion our titans are antagonists but perhaps not bad guys maybe they're just getting the short end of the stick maybe the mm -hmm. history is being told by the winners of the first Satanamaki. And I think it's that part that sort of makes Scion different and also is the part of the Titanomachy that I like to sink my teeth into. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So in Titans Rising, we talk a lot about the Titanomachy because it's kind of, it's cool um, and it's still going on. And Titanomachy itself presented it as like a cold war between the gods and Titans, just sort of chugs along mm -hmm. in titans rising we talk a lot about the ways it could go hot and about the sort of points of conflicts between gods and titans and one of the things that i we've been really careful and like really quite loud about portraying is that there are two sides to every story and it takes two to tango and sometimes gods are just assholes like we're definitely looking at it from the perspective of theology got written by the victors um the mm -hmm. Titans obviously have their own um, have their own perspective on the first Titanomachy, which is like the first overthrow of the Titans by the gods, and their own goals and objectives and motives beyond just raw Titan smash for how how they want to see the world. <laughs> the cool thing about Titans Rising for me is that. Every single Titan has an identity and an agenda and goals, and they are just as multifaceted and just as complicated as the gods and dragons and mythos entities that we've presented before. 
like there's a difference in philosophy mm. not in nature i think it's fair to say is that too rambling david does that make any sense it makes a lot of sense and also i want to uh focus in on that line that definitely should go into the kickstarter somewhere about uh theology is written by the victors holy shit that's an amazing line that's gonna be the tagline of the goddamn book what the <laughs> hell <laughs> that's amazing cool if i come up with it during the writing process, right? I mean, that's that's not inaccurate, obviously. Like, if you talk to any theologian, especially people who study ancient religions, they'll say that, like, oh, you can see where, you know, this, this person came in and took these people's ideas and just filed off the serial numbers and put different names on them, etc., etc. So that's that's super common. It's okay, you can call out the Roman Empire. <laughs> Lest we uh, open the gates to the uh, Scion is a history book, people. Yeah, that bit is super important. And the bits where we put in like story threads that people can use for their games. And a lot of it involves Titans both working together and being at odds with each other while still being a part of the Tatanamaki because uh at least in my point of view I personally enjoy antagonists where um they would have won by now if they could work together but as they can't that's part of the conflict too is just getting whatever side you're on to work together long enough to counter whatever the opposite side that you're on is. And it is vague to talk about it this way because I keep not referencing a single side because Tatanamaki and to a greater extent Titans Rising presents a side agnostic version of this conflict where we're not telling you which side is right. It all works in service to the stories you are going to tell. And for those who will be picking up this book and already have Scion games going, have told already. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, uh, I, I have to assume it's possible to play a mixed group of God Scions and Titanic Scions who are maybe trying to solve the conflict in a different way. Yeah, if solving the conflict is what you want. We're side agnostic, but we're also, <laughs> we're not pacifists, shall we say. Um, <laughs> right. It's certainly within the powers of a band of gods and titans and maybe even draconic heirs and, you know, whoever else you've got playing um, mm. to take on the titanomachy and try to, to bring peace or de-escalate it or least kind of bring it down to to a low simmer from this like world destroying boil that it could possibly be but you know science don't have to be nice people um whether they're mm -hmm. the children of titans or gods or anything else and if you want to use the titanomachy to kind of carve out a little power base for yourself um knock out some rivals settle some scores that is also a possibility i like that at the same time you can also just kick over the hornet's nest and get stuff going. Oh, yeah. We spell out how that works as well and suggestions for that. I think it's really interesting to play mixed bands. Uh, I was doing a Scion stream on uh, the Twitch channel 
a couple months back where our band was a mixed band. Uh, Elliot played a Titanic Scion, and the rest of us were uh, normal Scions. We didn't really make a phrase for that. I would say godly versus yeah, Titanic. Uh, so, like, it's really interesting, and I think can lead to very complex, but also, like intriguing stories but also if you just want to be a titanic scion and have that not be a part of your story and that interaction too that's also a uh, option everybody has Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right like titanic scions have a lot going on even more than godly signs i would say in deciding who they want to be and how they want to relate to their parents and their parents myths and why is that because if your parent is a destructive fire giant, which is an option, um, I believe one of the Atua Titans is like a living fire giant that's been imprisoned on an island for everybody's good. Um, and you are, you know, a nice, shy, quiet high school student from like San Francisco or Melbourne or anywhere in the world. What do you have in common with that destructive force of nature? And what does it mean that you have part of that in you? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one thing to like be brought into the world and to receive your visitation and to know that, okay, I'm, I'm the child of Zeus. Um, I get to throw thunderbolts around. I get to be like a natural leader. Or at least those are positive things that you can assume. The things that as a Titanic scion, you learn about your parents, whether they're true or not, are going to be horrifying. And like mm-hmm. you have... It's a self-esteem crisis waiting to happen if you don't have the patience and the strength to sort of pick through what people think about your family and think about you as a result and decide what you want to be true to, to, to make your own story, essentially. And that's something that I love to do in Zion anyway, but I'm doing it with like an extra edge with Titans. Right. And Titanic Scions have a lot of choices to make in their story and and then because of their story mechanically where you are you going to lean like if you're a scion of say Plutor to uh, reference an entirely different flaming giant do you lean in to that influence do uh, is it something about you that you accept is it something that you always have to resist uh his whole thing is that his job in uh ragnarok is to earn the world so that the new world can can come about now does that mean you are a like arsonist that just likes to burn stuff for the lols or do you (laughs) use that as a i'm going to burn down like injustice and systems of like right question because all you've got to do to like fulfill this legend is burn stuff down so that other things can happen how you do that is about you and i think that's super awesome yeah that is really interesting and yes i did laugh at your first character description just because that's the exact kind of character one of my silly little friends would have played when we were in high school you know playing vampire the masquerade and stuff like "Ah, i'm just gonna arson why not it'll be funny And nowadays I look at that kind of thing and I'm like, no, baby, come on. Nuance. Hey, we were all young ones and violent. <laughs> there is a place for stories like that. Uh, I don't live in that place and I don't want to go there. Oh, yeah. But there are places for that. 
Oh yeah, there there are places for pretty much any story. I there are several I would not like to visit, but that's fine. That's personal preference. That said, uh, so in terms of specifically Titans Rising, of course you can talk about Titanomachy a little bit as well since it's part of this. Uh, what are some of your favorite things that you've gotten to put into these books uh, that maybe are you know c completely new for Mainline Scion or things that like play off of like the like main you know four books? So I really enjoyed the, there is art in the first Satanamaki book. Uh, I don't know what the art note was that got us that art, but it's basically a bunch of Titans around a like boardroom table. Uh, and mm -hmm. it looks as though somebody's doing a like presentation on like the like evil quote in last quarter or something. And, like, that idea uh, was amazing, but also leads me to the place where, in Titan Rising, I tried uh, to uh, pull back the curtain a bit. The parts of the book I focused on was the, like, pantheons and, like, the lore stuff. I tried to make sure that most of the Titans have connections with other Titans, especially from other pantheons, especially if their vibe, their legend, their ethos connects with the ethos of other deities and and other Titans, mostly Titans, so that that can lead to a place where you'll have all of these different Titans each from different pantheons in a room together in a way that's like a corny joke about a like a like priest and a rabbi go to a bar that sort of encounter you can build because i because i i put that sort of like focus in on the interconnectedness of the tions uh separate from their pantheons mm -hmm. that is actually really interesting because yeah like in once like i would say mainline scion to refer to the the four books from origin through god but like in there the pantheons are kind of closed off from other pantheons but that's not really the case in titanomachy or titans rising i'm, I'm understanding is like yes these titans are tied to their pantheons but they also work cross pantheon yeah they forge alliances not so much based on pantheon because a lot of these titans have a lot of enemies within their pantheons right it's not like the pantheons split into good right. guys and bad guys neatly in some cases, no one's particularly good at all. But they tend to be falling into communities of interest, essentially. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of a really good example, David, and I'm blanking. So if you come up with one. I got one. Uh, jump in. So, oh, thank God. So we have, so we have Titans like I mentioned a tutor just now, whose whole thing is mm -hmm. destruction but for a cause, to do something later, to protect something, to build, to, like, destroying this world to make room for the next one. And so when a Titan as such gets, gets written, we link them with those Titans as like, hey, they all sort of vibe. So they've been talking to each other, assuming they mm -hmm. aren't bound somewhere in a prison or whatever. And also just like, it's as important to say who they do fuck with as it is to say who they don't fuck with. Uh, because 
Right. Like, especially <laughs> with the Titans, they aren't chummy chummy with everybody. Sometimes they don't like people from their own pantheon. Sometimes they just hate everyone from a pantheon. Does it matter if they're gods or titans? Fuck all of them. Sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes you have people like Evni Shen, one of the Titans of the Plant Dawn, who honestly couldn't care less about most people, but show him one of the Tuatha, like gods or titans, and like He's 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 ready to go. It's on site. It's on site. Like it's fight. It's fight to the death. <laughs> it's on site. Fuck them and fuck the horses they rode in on, especially the horses they rode in on. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when we have those connections, I think it breeds better stories, uh, more complex stories, uh, uh, and let's. And lends easier for a band to be mixed both in pantheons and in what kind of scions or dragons or whatever they are. Yeah, definitely. I I, I still can't get the mental image of, you know, somebody showing up to the monthly Titan meetup and somebody's like, oh, yeah, we invited so-and-so this time. And he's like, I don't fuck with them. Like, no, nah, I'm leaving. <laughs> I love it. So, um... Speaking of the the conflicts and working together, but also working, you know, obviously there's probably going to be some fighting in a game of uh, Scion that features Titans Rising. Uh, what are the basic kind of conflicts between the two main factions, between the gods and the Titans? So we frame it very much as the status quo versus change. Like fundamentally, that's mm-hmm. what it is. The gods have already got what they want. Um, the world is made to a greater or lesser extent in their image. What the Titans want is either to change that to some degree, or very often they want freedom. Because it's obviously the most famous mm-hmm. story is the uh, the Greek Titanomachy, right? The overthrow of Kronos and the other Titans. But there are just so many Titans in right. so many pantheons who got locked away. Like, And I apologize for probably mispronouncing this, but Namazu, the catfish titan who's kind of sealed away somewhere under Japan. Um, not enjoying that. Still conscious down there, still alive and awake. And that's a theme that comes up again and again and again, that what the gods do with problems they don't feel like solving is just shut them away um, and hope that's a permanent solution. And it never is. And one of th- Oh, wait, I do that. Shit. <laughs> I know, I have a whole room in my house that I'm now just going to call the Titan Closet. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start referring to all my Doom boxes as Titan boxes. Yeah, right? Like, no, don't open that. There's a Titan in there. <laughs> yeah. Every box is Pandora's box if you leave it sealed long enough. <laughs> but yeah, this idea that um, problems are not permanently solved and there's there's a big degree of like the gods' previous mistakes and shortcomings coming back mm. to bite them. It is important to note also, and uh, I believe I wrote a uh, sidebar about this, where the further you go from like Western European pantheons, the less and less the framework of the Titanomachy goes, like outside of the mm-hmm. Eva, like sure, the, the uh, Shen have Titans, but they put their Titans to work. They work hand-in-hand with their Titans, and the uh, Tuatha are real buddy-buddy with their Titans. And for the Acer, their Titans sort of, they have an important role to play in the Legends, and have tasks to do. They they will, 
they supposedly will be fought and overcome at Ragnarok, but they don't just want to get rid of them now. If they have to die, they they must die at the battle. And sort of the further you get away from like the the like Western European idea of uh these fates, the less it works a little bit. And a lot of the Titans sort of work that way, where like the gods and the only difference between a god and a titan is the gods decided that guy's a titan. And it's sort of a mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a uh othering thing. And a lot of these folks just want to live. Like uh there are a bunch of titans. Uh Huracan uh just wants to be a hurricane and not just be summoned to destroy some shit. Mm-hmm. She just wants to dance in the storms. Uh, there's there's a lot of gods that just want to be, or titans, sorry, that just want to be. And one of the things that I was told when I was on Tatanamaki as a writer is that the role of titan is as much political, if not more so, political than it is like taxonomical the role of titan is as much a label you you had placed upon you as it is inherent to your being and i think that's the core of the conflict is a some of them are in prison and one out, but others just want to do whatever it is they want to do, and it's the status quo of the gods that are keeping them from whatever that goal is. Uh, that being said, I can't wholeheartedly say, and some of these people should be allowed to do that. Do we want divinely powered hurricanes? I don't know. But it's also sad that she doesn't get to do that. So just sort of play with these ideas mm-hmm. and uh, see where they take you. That both reminds me of some of the like X-Men problems where it's like, yes, they're mutants and we shouldn't discriminate. But also that guy can kill you from 100 yards with his eyeball. Uh, so what do we do with that? Very much you know? that. Yeah. Um, also, while you were talking, David, I thought of the term systemic theism, and now I can't get it out of my head. Oh, put that on the Kickstarter page. It's not too late. <laughs> like, I'm like, it's like, it's like okay, so they're, they're like suffering from some things that are, you know, fightable, but also there's just this whole system of systemic theism in place where Titans don't get to do what they want. Amazing. Uh, that makes me happy. Okay, is it too late to edit the book? Because I really want that in the book. We, That's good. We have uh, expanded things. for That can go into Companion. There you go. Yes. Also, <laughs> we have so many like social media movements and podcasters because we thought about this and we thought, yeah, the, the Titans oh, yeah. are definitely like, like not waiting for other people to tell their stories. They're, they're taking over Tumblr, Mumbler, sorry, and all of the other pieces and telling their Instagram. own stories and someone somewhere on a blog has definitely hashtagged systemic theism yeah i actually really like that uh it it it, it sounds like you know most of our godly scions that we've talked about tend to use things like Instagram for just like your basic influencer type stuff but every social media also has the people who are using it to you know correct injustice and to spur social change and so having the titans be the kind of flip side of that is really cool to me like 
that that y'all have just been able to connect it as much to like modern day political stuff going on makes it way more interesting to me than it would have been if I was just like, eh, Titans, I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah. So that's how fate works, though. Uh, you get enough people to believe that this thing is true. And not only does it become true, it mm -hmm. always was true. So, right. of course, these beings of legend uh, know that uh, if they get the prevailing thought about them to change, their situation will change in a more direct way than anything else. That being said, if that level of fate binding, eh. But, like, this is sort of, and, like, uh, fans who are on the uh, Onyx Path Scion Discord knows how much I love speaking at length about fate and fate binding. Right. But, like, this is one of my favorite things in Scion. So, like, it was to the point where uh, we had to, like, dial it back a little bit because everybody was doing it and we can't have every character doing it but like th that thing in specific is one of my favorite features of scion and i feel like this is going to be one of the things that uh fans will like latch on to because like that's one of the joys of doing a like urban fantasy game is uh tying in the modern real world into the the uh fantasy setting and sort of tell linked stories that way definitely yeah and like that's very much where i think some of the most creative and cool and ingenious parts of scion come about because obviously you want to be careful with like how you portray the gods themselves and how you treat their myths but extrapolating from that like good solid basis of who they are and trying to think about how that ties into facets of the modern world, like, you know, social media movements and God help us, cryptocurrency, which also comes up, like, weirdly often. <laughs> We're like, bad guys, cryptos. Damn it. <laughs> um, I hope you're going to see our favorite crypto baron in one of the reveals. You might even have seen it by now. But, um, yeah, I think that's where you get to be really creative and really sort of play with what these stories mean and how to reframe them so that you're not just retelling them, but building on them. Yeah, definitely. I can totally see that. I know that we're getting toward the end of the interview. Uh, not quite there yet, but I wanted to say from the Kickstarter page, I'm sure you've seen some previews already, but there's tons of new knacks and birthrights. There's like, I think 50 Titans in this book, uh, a bunch of new antagonists and a bunch of story seeds. So if you had to talk about just what one thing that you think that people should know is in this book that you know maybe they they don't know they haven't read all the previews yet it hasn't come out yet what is one thing that you think everyone should know about that is in this book so my favorite small thing is that the pacific garbage patch is now terra incognita and you can fight over it that's amazing right i love that <laughs> i would having having written some Underworlds and various other strange places for Scion. I kind of like my my one maybe regret is that I I never got to write some of the like modern day Terra Incognita stuff because I love stuff like that. I love weird places that you know. I I wrote poetry in college about a super fun site near me. Like I'm I'm strange. I like things like that. Hey listeners, 
if you want dozens more cool modern terror incognita, tell us so that me and Dixie can write them as a stretch goal. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could do that. <laughs> it's a whole new book, but we'll do it. God damn it, yeah, we'll do sure. it. What about you, David? So my favorite small thing is also from a story seed where uh, we have a lot of them, but the one that I enjoyed the most is one about where uh, the there is a crack to Tartarus that just opens up and uh-huh. and now the band either has to close it before it opens permanently or let everybody out. Uh, we we uh, we definitely I, th- I think there's a sidebar or something uh, about how yeah uh, this kickstarts the the like hot war. This is like this can be the way you start active Tatanamaki, which I'm glad we did at least one of. I'm glad we didn't do a bunch of them because that would be too much. But uh, I'm glad that we have an example of. The Cold War status quo is over. We are now in hot war between gods and titans. And wherever y'all sit, there is no more, like, sitting on the fence. It is go time. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And to give folks an idea of how bad that would be as far as opening a thing to Tartarus, I wrote Tartarus in Demigod, and I pretty much said, don't go there. Like... I was writing the 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 the, the Greek underworld, and I was like, "You you don't want to go there." Yeah, we agree. I just wanted to leave it up to the players. It's it, it's a bad place to go. Uh, it is everything's on fire all the time. Uh, you're gonna have to account for a whole bunch of shit going down in Tartarus if you go there. Uh, so the fact that that's a thing that could be you know open into our world in Demigod or in uh, in Titans Rising is really really interesting to me because that's horrifying. Honestly, a lot of the underworlds would be horrifying to open a portal into, but that's one of the ones that would just be the most painful in general. Not to mention all the stuff that will come out of it. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like th- things will come out of it, and the least you'll have to worry about is like fire and lava. <laughs> also, in my brain, that is now a thing that I would put in Centralia, Pennsylvania, since it has been on fire for decades. Oh yeah, I love that place. I've been there once. Yeah. Really. Yet another place that I stopped through on my drive across the country, in addition to the Superfund site, because I like weird ass places. Yep. So yes, I've also, I've also been there. Mm-hmm. My partner has also gone there on like school trips. It's fun. Yeah. For those who don't know, uh, Centralia, Pennsylvania is a is a very sad story, but it's also the basis for uh, Silent Hill. Uh, because at one point, an underground coal vein caught on fire, and it is still on fire in parts of it. So. I don't think anyone lives there now, but when I last went through there, like, you know, eight people or something still technically lived in Centralia. But uh, you can just drive through it, and there's lots of signs warning you where not to go. It's a creepy, strange place. It happened. Apparently there are still five people living in Centralia. Five brave, brave okay. people who I now think are guardians of the Rifts of Tartarus. It's the Hecatonkarai. <laughs> yeah. Uh, their deal is they didn't want to, like, give up their land, so they never left. But yeah. Yeah, it's also just sad. Like, like I said, it, it, it's a very sad story. Please don't think I'm making light of what happened in Centralia. It was a horrible tragedy. But it is also a really just odd, creepy place to go. So, so since we're also offering uh, Titanomachy as a uh, traditionally printed book alongside this, 
What are you excited that people might see for the first time with that? Because I know a lot of folks don't always get the PODs. They go straight for the, the trad prints. Um, so we're probably going to have quite a lot of two books that sold on this. Oh, God. So for t- for the original Tatanamaki, I wrote the Titans of the uh, Najir and the uh, Atoll. Mm-hmm. And for the Najir, I wrote in... Uh, I am probably going to mispronounce it because I've never heard the word actually said. But uh that happens. But uh it is fet the uh the opposite uh side of mat the uh where uh where uh, mat or or uh hatat is 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 like truth it's the feather that you your uh heart gets weighed against. She is right. She is uh lies. She is Deceit, deception. Uh, I wrote that uh, she never takes the same for, uh, form twice. So every time that you see her, she is completely different because she can't hold a steady form because that would be too honest. And uh, I think I end that off with uh, her running a anti-God uh, version of Fox News. Because that oh no uh, amused me endlessly. Uh, so yeah, there that. is uh, in the world a like anti god uh, and uh, anti scion uh, Fox News that she secretly runs. I love that. That's great, uh, Kat. I know that you did. Did you work on the Tanamaki at all, or did you just have to read it for this one? I didn't. I just got to enjoy it as a reader, which is always fun. That's the most fun. Every time I get to look at a role-playing game book, especially from one of our lines that I had no hand in, I'm always like, oh, I get to read it? Yeah, well, you just get to sit just, back and, and enjoy. Yeah, I'm just relaxing. Like, we're allowed to do that. So yeah, so what, what stood out to you from that one that people can now get their hands on a uh, trad print copy? Okay, as an aside, I'm actually opening Titanomachy so I can remind myself of everything that's in there. Give me a second. That, that, I do that all the time. <laughs> The amount of times I'm podcasting with an open PDF or book right next to me are often. As Kat does that, um, quick question for uh, that I'm sure other people have. What is the difference between a trad print and a POD? Because I have the POD. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we talked about this a little bit on the, pod- on the podcast before, but for those who don't know... A POD is obviously printed on demand, so you're just they're they're printing the one copy that you ordered. Uh, a traditionally printed book is going through a different printing process in which they're printing obviously like pallets of them at a time. And part of what goes down with that is that the binding is different, and they are the 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 paperweight's a little bit different. Um, it's a little glossier in a in a traditionally printed book, and also uh, at the end of the process they are pressed. Um, which is why if you lay a POD next to a traditionally printed book, the POD will always be a little bit thicker, um, just because of the way that the actual printing process works. Um, it's not really possible to get that exact same quality in POD, although POD quality gets better every single year. Most of my books that I have in both, like I've got a traditionally printed Pirates of Pugmire and a POD, if I put them next to each other, I have to look for really specific things to be able to tell the difference. But yeah, a, a traditional print run also means we can get it into stores, which is part of why we're adding Titanomaki to this one, is because that way that some of the retailers that order from us can order it and we'll have additional copies available from Studio 2 and maybe IPR after the uh, Kickstarter is fulfilled. Oh. Yeah. 
my family was in the printing industry for many years, so I could get like really technical, but basically it's like paperweight and pressing. <laughs> yeah, my instinct is to start talking about like the crispness of the text and how you can get slightly different color saturation. And I just right. don't think anyone cares, you know? <laughs> yeah, like to to the layperson, they are not that different. No. To somebody who is, you know, super used to them both. It's like, they're really different. Like, I think that the POD bindings that we do are often sewn rather than glued. And, and I'm sorry, yeah, like the like trad prints are, are sewn and the PODs yeah. are glued. But if you ever get a POD that's glued and the glue comes undone, just tell Drive Through RPG and they'll send you a new one because they're super cool like that. Uh, but yeah, so, Kat, have you had a chance to look at Titanomaki? I remember the internet trolls. I remember Explain. that Titanomaki, Titanomaki has not one, but two internet troll antagonists. Um, some of them being minor irritations, and mm -hmm. some of them being literal big hairy giants who come down the wires and fuck up your life. And <laughs> I adore them, and I can't believe that I've never used them, and I'm going to put that right at the next opportunity. Oh god, uh, Titanomaki is also where we get Nymphstagrammers from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, I oh, forgot God. where Nibbleheim came from, aside from that I think that was Ray Cole, but Nibbleheim is still one of my favorite things in all of Scion. Scion is great that way. Yeah, it's having like a Wawa 7-Eleven type chain. That's oh, just hey. Scion-focused. We have a new social media network. In, oh? In Titan I keep trying to call it Titanomachy, but we don't. We have a new social media network in Titans Rising. We have Gianter. Okay, Gianter is exactly good. exactly what you think it is. I love it. It's fantastic. Size queens of the world rejoice. <laughs> All right, so pick it up for Gianter, but stay for the nuanced social <laughs> conversation. <laughs> I love oh, this. I think that's why I love Cyan so much, though, is because you really can start from like a very silly thing, like your Gianter or your Nibelheim or your internet trolls, and bring it into the world. But also, you can start from the complete opposite end of like, you know, care and and reverence, and then bring it into mod into mod modernity a little bit. And both of those are perfectly valid ways to approach Scion. And I have played in Scion games that were very silly, and I have also played in Scion games that were very serious. And I think the best Scion games have a good mixture of both, right? Like, there's some funny moments. Like, it, it's to me the best Scion games play kind of like Buffy or something. Where, like, there's humorous moments, and then there's moments of, like, dread seriousness and import. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love the way that you can have uh, certain scions who I hesitate to mention because I want the hit of, they included that, to hit as strong as possible. Totally. Uh, but you... But you can also have your very serious, very like sober takes on on myth, especially myth, especially in Titans Rising with the pantheons from uh from a demigod and god, which are less common. You you can get like sober takes on these deities that you probably haven't heard of before. Mm -hmm. That's that's very cool. Looking forward to that. Yeah, you get into that space where human nature meets like legendary power, and it can either be very, very funny or very, very intense. And that's really the beauty of Scion. I think it's a really good place to end that on. That was really nice. 
Uh, so with that said, uh, Kat, if people want to find you, follow you, give you money, what have you, uh, where can they do those things? Uh, I'm on Blue Sky and Twitter and Facebook as Ecstasis Games, which is my own teeny tiny little publishing company made of me and my spouse. And we make lots of strange, spooky, weird games where we explore big ideas and sometimes laugh at them a lot. Um, and it would be wonderful if you came and followed me, came and told me what you think of Titans Rising, but only if it's good. And <laughs> um, yeah, generally came and hung out on social media. And David, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and on Blue Sky as the Inked Knight. You can find my work uh, at the website that needs to be updated, uh, davidcastro.net, where you can find all the stuff I've worked on with links that may or may not send me a small fraction of what you uh, spent on your cool game books that you were going to buy already. That's, I think, about it. The only things I have to plug are the things we are plugging right now. So, Do you still have a Patreon where you do like 5e stuff? I have a Patreon. I haven't done any 5e stuff on there for a while. But if you want to give me some cash every month, you can uh, also go to... What is my Patreon? It's been so long, I have... I forgot even what the <laughs> link is. Patreon.com slash Inkstain Studios. Uh, that's not an actual game company. That's just me in a fancy hat. That's a lot of the indie game companies tend to be like, oh, it's someone's studios. And it's like, that's me. I've actually tried to think of a name for myself for editing and I haven't hit on anything yet. So I'm still just Dixie Cochran everywhere. But uh, you can find me at Dixie Cyanide at anywhere where there are at symbols. I use one more than the other now. I'm pretty sure you know which one and why. You can also, as always, find me and most of us hanging out in the Onyx Path Discord. That's a great place to chat with folks. Definitely leave comments on the Titans Rising to Tanamaki Kickstarter. People will be around to answer your questions and uh, talk to you about things they're excited about. So thank you all for listening. Thank you, David and Kat, for being here. And as always, many worlds, one podcast.